0: Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by Father Jose Maria Guzman Dominguez. And uh, let's begin, but with a prayer invoking Our Lady's uh, blessing and intercession for us. Hail Mary, full Full of of grace, the The Lord is is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now, now and at the, the hour, hour of our death. Amen. Amen. So, Father Jose Maria, it's wonderful to have you in the studio. It's great to be here. Excellent. So, you are uh, newly ordained. That's right. right. And uh, and you, uh, you know, just to familiarize our audience a little, because you're a fairly new guest on this show, um, you come, fr- you have an interesting personal history in coming to the Dominican Order. I think.
1: Yes. Uh, so my last name, Guzman Dominguez, is basically St. Dominic's name flipped flipped around, Domingo <laughs> de Guzman. And uh, there were many signs in my life pointing me to the D- Dominican vocation. The Lord knows I'm not a subtle guy, so he had to beat me over the head with the vocation.
0: And so you were born in Venezuela and came to this country about the age of 12, I think?
1: That's right. And so I finished, I studied high school here in the States. I went to Notre Dame and studied Italian, and Italian literature in particular, and then I joined the order.
0: Wonderful, and we're very happy to have you. Now, at your time in Notre, Notre Dame, where Notre Dame, excuse me. Uh, at <laughs> Notre ta- Dame is the, is the
1: church in Paris. Yes, <laughs> I
0: suppose, I suppose. So, Notre Dame. In Notre Dame, uh, your studies in Italian took you to become something of an expert in Dante, I believe.
1: Well, at least an amateur. There's lots of experts who know way more than I do. So, tell me,
0: uh, for those who may not be familiar with Dante Alighieri, uh, maybe you can give us a little background? Sure.
1: So, Dante was born in the 13th century, in 1265, actually.
0: So, he's a contemporary of St. Thomas Aquinas. A contemporary
1: of St. Thomas. He was a teenager when St. Thomas uh, died, Mm -hmm. and he... Wrote His m- most famous work is the Divine Comedy, uh, where he tells of his fictional, maybe fictional, maybe true, uh, voyage through the three realms of the afterlife. So he goes through hell and up through the mountain of purgatory and all over the heavens to get to the, the Empyrean where God and the Blessed live. All right. And he is the father of the Italian language. His poetry, uh, written in the Tuscan dialect, really set the standard for what now we know as Italian. Uh, And this year, which is a a providential coincidence with the celebration of the 800th anniversary of St. Dominic's death, it's the celebration also of the 700th anniversary of Dante's death. Hmm. And uh, Dante had a great devotion to to St. Dominic, actually. And in the Paradiso, there's even a whole canto, a whole part of the poem, that is devoted to the life of Saint Dominic.
0: Huh, quite interesting. So this, and this, of course, has become a a uh, a, a wonderful example of what uh, Catholic faith and Catholic imagination uh, can bring together as a piece of splendid art. The The Divine Comedy
1: is full of the holy scriptures, full of the lives of the saints, full of Catholic history up to the time of Dante. And so it's a great compendium, really, a, a great gathering of of Catholic culture and theology. And
0: he has quite a few uh, comments about politics and culture and life in his own age as well worked in there i think right yes he does and he he
1: suffered part so he's kind of reputed to be very angry and and condemnatory of of some of his contemporaries but it also because he suffered from from life in a in a turmoil of of what was just a very complicated society at at that point especially in italy where uh the church and the and the civic uh, authorities was in in turmoil really there was a lot of greatness and beauty and but there was also constant warfare and fighting and so he was exiled from florence which was his native city uh for very uh rude uh, political reasons and and then he died in exile for all that so he had political enemies, but for reason. we're sort
0: of it. familiar, I think, in our own days, with uh, countries using proxies to fight their real conflicts. With you know, for instance, uh, in the war in Syria currently, you know, you've got various factions backed by the Iranians and the Russians, in the United States, and this is very much the situation of Italy, right? Yes, you know, between the Holy Roman Empire and the, what are now the Germanies, France. You know, the the Holy See. <laughs> the you know, Holy See, the papal states that, which had a band, you know, the Pope actually ruled a band across the middle of Italy. And then you've got, you know, people like the, the kingdom of the two Sicilies further south, which is based in mm-hmm. Naples mm-hmm. and its connection, uh, you know, and as I said, it's all very complicated politics. Yeah. And in Florence in
1: particular, they had enjoyed for the, 150 or 200 years before Dante's time, right up until his birth, they had enjoyed great peace because they were an independent sort of little republic. And But then these proxy wars, as you say, came in to Florentine politics and divided the city. And the city was in constant warfare through Dante's youth. And then he was exiled in the year thirteen thirteen o one and spent the last 20 years of his life wandering around Italy while he was writing his poem, uh, but suffering from these conflicts.
0: Has he other work besides the, he, the, the Divine Comedy? The
1: Divine Comedy. Yes, he does. He has uh, a youthful series of, uh, of poems called the uh, Vita Nuova, the, the New Life, which is when he was a young man, he fell in love with a woman called Beatrice, mm-hmm. who was then uh, later in the Divine Comedy also his his muse, his guide through, through paradise into the vision of God. But he has poems to Beatrice uh, that he wrote earlier in life. And he also has a work of political theory called the Demonarchia, mm-hmm. where he um, sets forth a vision of the political world where for for him the the true order of the world would come when, in Rome, there was the Pope with all the spiritual authority mm-hmm. uh, over the whole world, and then the holy roman Emperor, Emperor ruling from Rome, taking care of all the temporal needs of Christendom
0: and both in the same city and both in the same city, living harmoniously and peacefully. This sounds a lot like you know Constantinople and so I recall the relations between the eastern emperor and the and the patriarch
1: <laughs> yes they were not not very peaceful, not <laughs> not very peaceful. <laughs> and in the west the emperor and the pope were going at each other for, for quite a while as well but uh, but he saw that god's providence wants unity in the world and wants a sort of diversity within the unity but all all orchestrated mm-hmm. to to the, a peaceful reign of, of Christ ultimately in, in the world. Right,
0: and maybe it's not until he comes that we're going to get that kind of unity when <laughs> that's right. that unity is expressed in the one who sits forever on the on the throne of David, his father. And that's
1: one, one thing that Dante can teach us, is that he was a man who put a lot of hope in his early life in this world, uh, either in romantic poetry, in these... Sort of lovely dreams of uh, of harmony and beauty that that earthly artist could could make happen, or in in political uh, campaigns and, and a sort of harmony that he was trying to achieve there. When he saw those things thwarted, he turned his hope towards heaven. He turned his hope towards the Lord Jesus, and that redirected his whole life and put him on course to something higher and holier, uh, which then the, the witness to this is his great poem, The Divine Comedy.
0: Mm-hmm. So you want to take us a little bit through the structure of the Divine Comedy? Or, sure, or, let's do that. But let's stop for station identification. So uh, you are listening to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Father Jose Maria Guzman Dominguez, and we've been discussing Dante and Catholic culture.
1: Yes, Father. So you asked me if I could give a little sense of the structure of the Divine Comedy. Uh, It's very Trinitarian. It's all, and Dante was a big numbers guy, so. In his poetry, the number three reigns supreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, the place on three and one, so the whole poem has a hundred k- what are called cantos. These are sections of maybe hundred and fifty verses or so. Uh, songs, right? Is what songs, it means. exactly. Yeah. That's that's uh, the meaning of the word. And each of these uh, cantos then tells a part of the story from his journey. From the beginning of the of the poem, when he finds himself in a dark wood, all confused, and this is a, an allegory of his sinfulness, of his waywardness in life. But then he gets rescued, and through a series of encounters with different people, uh, guided first by the Latin poet Virgil, later by his beloved Beatrice, and finally by St. Bernard when he gets to heaven, mm-hmm. to, and then by Our Lady to the final vision of God. In these hundred cantos, uh, Dante goes through that whole journey, hell first, then purgatory, then he- the heavens towards the vision of God. And each of all these hundred cantos are divided in three canticles. So mm-hmm. the first is the inferno going through hell, then the Purgatorio, and then the Paradiso. And these, properly speaking, have 33 cantos each. The first canto of the whole comedy doesn't really count towards any of the three. It's a sort of introduction. Right. And then within the the poem itself, and this is amazing, each uh, stanza of the poem is three verses long. Each... Line of the poem has eleven syllables in the Italian, so every single stanza has thirty-three syllables, and it's all meant as a reminder of the Trinity—that even in the depths of hell, mm-hmm. there the, there's a presence of the Trinity. Yes, um,
0: this uh, business of being on a journey to which you are you are faced with different conversations, different people different uh, trials, almost if you wish, or different experiences, reminds me a lot of a chivalric literature of the same period in some ways, mm-hmm. as well as some of older, you know, like the matter of Britain with the story of Sir Percival and the Holy Grail. Uh, things like this. Um, but he, this is a new kind of work, I think, isn't it? In which was this in t- intended to be recited or read?
1: Uh, both. So Dante was writing in in particular to the literate uh, classes of of his age. So the people who would have read his poems when he published them um, knew. And comment, uh, a witness to this is just how quickly literary commentaries started springing up. Within ten years of Dante's death, uh, there were already a handful of commentaries on the on the Divine Comedy. So it was something. For the learned, but also very quickly, um, people started memorizing and reciting the poem in the piazzas of Italy, which is a tradition that the Italians have to this day. It's called the Lectura Dante's, the reading of Dante. But it's some person memorizes a canto, recites it in the public square, and then gives some sort of exegesis of it, some explanation of, of its content. So...
0: You could get a hundred people to do this and do the whole, whole thing.
1: Well, uh, some sometimes they do. Sometimes they, they at the hundred the whole thing in a day would be a lot. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. but they do festivals where they just people reciting Dante.
0: <laughs> now I imagine. Uh, I know for me when I read Dante, some of the harder stuff to understand is the references to his own uh, his own age. Mm-hmm. We often have you know, biblical personalities, sometimes legendary or historical personalities speaking to him, but you also have these people he meets from his own age, and sometimes that's a little hard to get a handle on if you're not reading footnotes on a regular basis.
1: Yes, and it's, it's a text, really, we, we need the footnotes, and, and there's a lot of good historical research done for for explaining this, because... These persons were uh, important, are very important sometimes for for the development of the story. Um, But it's also not something to be discouraged by. It's a poem so full of intricacies and details that getting uh, bogged down by by some of these difficulties uh, is... Uh, not worth it. It's al- almost just move on and, and pick up something else. And uh, there's always something more to more to learn. And it's a ver- it's a very rich poem. But part of the his um, what he means to communicate with the choosing of his contemporaries is that the the truth of God, the truth of revelation, of the Word of God in particular, still speaks to the men and women of his day um, so he portrays himself in, in his usual humility uh, as a sort of representative for all of humanity so that in reading about his own journey and his encounters with people all of humanity is somehow taken up into into that journey through sin, through the conversion from sin
0: and then through the life of
1: of blessedness in heaven.
0: And so you also have this um, commentary, though, on culture and the world. I think uh, Dante is, uh, was once said as the last person to know absolutely everything that was known about everything in his time, a master of all sciences and arts. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we, I think the Divine Comedy also is a commentary sometimes. For instance, it's interesting, I think, that his guide through hell is Aristotle, you know. Virgil Oh, I'm sorry, Virgil. <laughs> yeah. I apologize. Virgil. Um but Virgil the pagan poet. Yeah. You know, and so he can get so far, but he, Virgil can't bring him into the land of grace.
1: No, he takes them up up to the Garden of Eden at uh-huh. the top of Mount Purgatory That's and true. then then he has to return to to limbo where where he'll be uh, Dante says, with desire but, but no hope, no hope of beatitude for, for all eternity. Right. Though Virgil is actually an interesting, uh, Dante raises a lot of question marks and and makes us ask whether his uh, fictional plan of where everyone is for all eternity mm-hmm. is actually true. That's right. Uh, he he asks questions about that, and he says he'll have to spend a lot of time in the terrace of pride, <laughs> in purgatory. <laughs> so so
0: Dante Dante's careful to mm-hmm. to not make himself God. That's right. But you have. Uh- but some of them, the, his treatment of the—I mean, we usually figure, for instance, uh, the common perception of the, is the devil engulfed in flames, but that's not the devil in, in, uh, in Dante. The Satan, at the bottom of the, the lowest pit of hell, is encased in ice. Yeah. And yet his—you know, the harder he sweeps with his great wings— you know, to free himself from his from the ice, the harder and firmer that ice becomes under the violence of the winds from his wings. Yeah. You know, uh, you see the futility of this great fallen angel. You know, who um, who whose mouths, whose multiple mouths, are stuffed with the great traitors.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The the traitors of uh, of Caesar. So that's right, Brutus. And, Brutus, uh, yeah. Judas, uh, yeah, there, then and Judas in the middle, yeah, and, and and this, and then I forget who the third one was. Is the other one of Caesar? That oh, Caesar oh Cassius? To, Cassius, 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 and Brutus, and and uh, yeah, and there you go. There you see the the love of Dante for the Roman Empire. That's right. <laughs> that, along with the traitor, the betrayer of Christ, are the betrayers of Julius Caesar. That's right. That's right. Uh, but also, Satan can't escape, and the reason he's frustrated and, and mm-hmm. sunk in this middle of the lake of ice is because his trinitarian life was not fulfilled he has three faces right he has six wings because he was a seraph right uh but now they've turned into um oh no vampire what's the word um the little flying creatures flying rabbits. bats. bats thank you I uh, i was thinking the word in spanish when the english wouldn't come uh He's got bats' wings instead of glorious angelic right. wings, yeah. and instead he's a, he's a sort of caricature of. He's
0: become a creature of the night, yeah, and yeah. darkness and the abyss. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that he's held in by frozen water, which is not what you'd think. Except you know you have, uh, you do have this tradition in the scriptures of him as an abyssal serpent. Mm-hmm. You know, in that great unformed watery abyss of uh, before light, before there is a, the rest of God's creation, yeah.
1: and he's so far from the, from the fires, from the warmth of charity, right? That he's just frozen and dark, and that's no light and no yeah. and no warmth. Yes, yeah. but there's there's other surprises in Dante. One of them is the guardian of Purgatory mm-hmm. is the Again, the pagan poet Cato, uh, or philosopher, politician, he was all sorts of things, and who was an enemy of the empire, not a Christian, Mm -hmm. and also a suicide, but he will be saved because of the mercy of God. And he's put; he'll be the last one out of Purgatory because he has to wait for everybody to come in <laughs> through <right>. Purgatory. <laughs> but he will be saved; he will have the saving vision mm-hmm. of God. Right. So, so Dante, everybody in puts Purgatory in all goes these to heaven. Surprises, right. All these surprises for us, uh, and even in the, in Paradiso, there's uh, in one canto when the heaven of Jupiter where he encounters the souls of those who were particularly just, he sees a great eagle representing the justice of God and the, the love of God. But in the pupil of one, one of one of the pupils of this eagle, he sees a number of souls arranged around the eye of the eagle. And two of these are pagans. One was a, a friend of Aeneas who, mm-hmm. who saved, who sacrificed his life as Aeneas was going out. This is a person, a man whom Virgil devotes one verse in his great poem, but Dante puts him up there in heaven because he sacrificed himself in a Christ-like way no to better, save his no friend. No better,
0: greater love than this that you should lay down your life for your friend.
1: And and the other is the Emperor Trajan who, as the story goes, mm-hmm. Pope Gregory the Great had resurrected mm-hmm. and preached the gospel to the Emperor Trajan and then Trajan died again, but died a Christian, having received baptism. And Dante so puts him in heaven. <laughs> so
0: when, well, nice guy well, for the that's right, for the yeah. one who oversaw the destruction of Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's interesting. So not holy scripture, definitely, but uh, as we say, we were saying, you know, this wonderful uh, putting together of a great meditation on the whole of of history and sacred history, reality, um, a keen appreciation of the goodness of uh, Christ, but also something that was willing to represent, seen goodness in those people who had not yet had the light of Christ, Mm -hmm. but sought to follow, as St. Paul says, their consciences.
1: But it's always, always Christian. And Dante gets sometimes a bad reputation for, because Christ doesn't appear t- too much as a character in the story, mm-hmm. but he's all over. Uh, one of these, the cool things that, that show this is that the name of Christ is in rhyming position only four times in the whole poem, and it's all four times in the Paradiso, and the name of Christ rhymes only with itself. So the way the the rhymes work in in Dante is that because there are three there are stanzas of three it's the the first and the third lines of a, the one stanza rhyme with the second line of the of the previous one.
0: Do you have an example?
1: So uh so the if the words so there would be a line and mm-hmm. then the second line would end in Cristo. Mm-hmm, right. then the third line, and then in the second stanza, the first line would end in Cristo, mm-hmm. then the second line, and then the third line would end in Cristo. Okay. Uh, so usually he plays with different things, but the name of Christ stands by itself. Nothing else is worthy of rhyming with it. There you go. You
0: know. Interesting.
1: The first of these happenings is in the story of St. Dominic, where Dominic is likened to a family member of Christ and a herald whom Christ sends out mm-hmm. and whose, whose whole life was for the counsels of Christ.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. And then you have the ending where he's brought up in the Empyrean.
1: Yes, and he sees, he sees Our Lady and St. Bernard sings a beautiful prayer to Our Lady. And then Dante turns his face towards her and through her and with her then goes and sees uh, the blessed trinity and in the person of the word he sees the face of man so he sees our humanity how our humanity is taken up Mm -hmm. and so the poem ends with this ecstasy and this uh, admittance of defeat at the mystery of of such love that would take us up to the love of heaven
0: are there some, uh, so this is, of course, you know, this is written in, in medieval Italian. Uh, but are there some good e- editions out there you, you can recommend to our he- listeners? Yes. So I'd recommend
1: uh, Anthony Esselin's translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has some very good notes and a very good translation. And and he is a, a very
0: fine teacher of, of the poem. I'm putting you on the spot. Do you remember the publisher? Penguin, I think. Penguin, okay, very good. Okay. Well, that seems to be uh, a wonderful place to end our discussion today. Uh, And so let's ask the Lord at this. uh, Let's uh, finish now, I guess. Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Prior in Columbus. Today I've been joined in the studio by Father Jose Marie Guzman Dominguez. Let's end with prayer, invoking the intercession of our Holy Father, St. Dominic. The light, light of the, of the Church, truth, teacher, teacher of truth, rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you poured forth, forth the waters, waters of wisdom, preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at saintgabrielradio.com.